Hi, everyone. I'm your moderator for this podcast, Amanda Balby with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. When a patient has a question but does not have immediate access to medical personnel, they may resort to doing an internet search for answers. And what they find may be misleading for one reason or another. This recent increase in misinformation and all around quote unquote, everyone can be a doctor mentality is damaging to credible medical sources and the medical profession in general. With us today to speak about the spread of damaging misinformation on the internet is Dr. Vicente Planeas, who is a professor in the Department of Pathology in the Division of Microbiology and Immunology at the University of Utah School of Medicine in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Planeas. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So what do you think are the factors contributing to the public's lack of trust in the scientific or medical community? I think there are many reasons, and I think this could be actually the topic of a whole podcast itself. So on one hand, I think that scientists like me are very concerned with producing the data and producing the knowledge and answering the questions that we have an interest in. But I think that we haven't done as a community, we haven't done as good a job at spreading that information and making it available to communities that are, you know, not scientists or doctors themselves, you know, to the lay people. So I think that we could do a better job at that. But the other thing is that I feel that there's a bit of a, a conspiracy theory feeling in our community, and sometimes I think that there's lack of trust from the public in the scientific information, and you know, I think it's partly because scientific information these days, you know, it's so specific, you know, and it's so technical that for somebody like me to go and look up a paper in PubMed and being able to understand the quality of that research, that's one thing, because that's what I do for a living. However, um, it'd be a lot to ask for people who are not in the business to go and look up scientific data and scientific papers and be able to really understand and really judge the quality of that data. So I think that's part of the reason that people will go and search something on Google and they will find information that is easily available to them. Of course, if that's the only thing that they find, a lot of people are going to believe that, even though a lot of that information has been obtained through means that are really not legitimately scientific means, you know. So I think it's a complicated question, and I think we need to educate both the scientists and the public so that there's a better two-way communication there. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to your patients, the lay people, who buy into this fake news and skewed study results? Rather than solely relying on information found online, which, you know, please understand that anyone can go and post things on Google, such as YouTube videos, and we have freedom of information, which, of course, it's important, and I I defend freedom of information. But at the same time, it's very easy for somebody who wants to spread lies to also go and put them on their website and make up a movie that is completely made about falsified data. And this is the example that I want to share with you is this video that I saw called 
sacrificial virgins. Okay, we can talk about this a little bit later. But I've looked at this video and it contains information that is actually false, is actually made up, fabricated. You know, I have not been able to find that information in the sources that they quote. And in fact, when I've gone to those original sources, I have found that the information that you can find there is actually very different. So this is regarding the HPV vaccine. So what do I recommend to people? I recommend that they, if they have a friend who's a scientist or who's a doctor, I recommend that they talk to them. But also, I think it's very important that people communicate with their doctors more. And I think that's more possible today than it was before because, I mean, in my case, I have communicated with our pediatricians and my doctors through email abundantly, you know, because I've been really concerned about something having to do with my one of my children or myself, and I've been able to have a dialogue with the doctor, and I find that incredibly useful, and I think people should do that more, and, and it's possible, you know. The other resource that we don't use when we go to the pharmacy Pharmacists are very knowledgeable people that and we should be able to rely on them for very high quality information, you know. So I think that it's important that people look for the right sources of information that are in a way accredited sources of information. Right. And then what role do physicians play in reducing the spread of misinformation? How can you right the wrongs? Doctors are very qualified. Of course, I think they're the most qualified people. And I just think that we are not using them enough. So yeah, we go to the doctor when we're sick, but how about we email our doctor and we say, hey, I have a concern. I've seen that, you know, this video that shows that HPV vaccination can cause all of these severe side effects. Can you advise me about that? And the doctor will know. The doctor is an unbiased source of information that we should use more. So I absolutely advocate for doctors to be more open and more available. And as a scientist, I often, uh, although not often enough, but I, I often get emails from lay people asking me various questions about HIV. HIV is the virus that I've been studying for nearly 30 years. and. I always do my best at responding to these emails and clarifying notions that people may have, which you know may be completely wrong. So I pride myself in, in doing this, and I'll spend any amount of time doing this. And I think that we should be able to communicate with doctors and scientists more often. And you touched on Sacrificial Virgins, the video before. Can you tell us a little bit more about the video and your initial thoughts on its spread of misinformation? Sacrificial Virgins is about a 30-minute video that you can find on YouTube. It's been there for a while. It just I just saw it recently, and I could give you... A little bit of a snapshot. So one of the things that they propose in this video, and they quote several scientists saying this, that HPV, the human papillomavirus, first of all, that it's not the cause of cervical cancer, which is not true. HPV has been linked to cervical cancer. At this point, it's beyond argument. One of the people doing this is Dr. Duisberg, who in 2011 
published a paper um, arguing that HIV is not the cause of the major epidemic of AIDS in Africa. Of course, this is absolutely wrong. So now they're claiming that HPV doesn't cause cervical cancer. When you look into the information that they provide, they actually quote scientific papers. I've gone to read these scientific papers and they're actually misquoted. Again, I don't want to get into too many details, but the, the papers that they quote as saying that HPV is not linked to cervical cancer actually don't say that. <laughs> Their paper is talking about other aspects of, of HPV biology, but not its relationship with cancer. The second problem with this video is that they claim that HPV vaccination causes severe side effects. And in fact, I'd like to call everybody's attention here. If you watch the video, they provide three data tables. One, for example, I have it here. Since 2017, UK Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, which is a British agency, I've looked up their records, and I haven't been able to find this information there. The information says that HPV has serious adverse reactions in 3,038 cases in 2017. I have not been able to find that this is really information that's made up. And then there's one from the World Health Organization where they claim that there have been 280 deaths derived from HPV vaccination, which is also, I mean, if you look for the information, you will not find it. Instead, when I went to the World Health Organization and I, I searched their archives, what I found is the study on the global vaccine safety of HPV vaccines, and it has this very, very long report in which they summarize data from many, many scientific papers where they studied about 1.7 million cases of vaccinations from HPV, and they find that the most severe consequence or side effect of HPV vaccination is pain at the site of injection. There's also another suggestion in this video that HPV vaccination causes Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a very severe neurological syndrome that has been associated with uh, various viral infections. In fact, because this is such a strong claim. When I went into the literature, I found that actually a group of scientists and doctors got together to investigate the possible link between HPV vaccine and Guillain-Barre. And to do this, they analyzed metadata from several studies done in the last few years. So that means that they've, they've looked at um, archive data for many studies. And so it, this is in the order of hundreds of thousands of patients. And they've looked specifically at the incidence of Guillain-Barre in people vaccinated with HPV and people not vaccinated, and they find that the incidence, which is a very uh, rare disease, but the incidence wasn't different between the two populations. Um, now, if you're a layperson and you go and watch this video and you see the two ladies that they show, you know, young ladies who unfortunately 
have this neurological syndrome and they lose motion in a big part of their bodies and they have to be in wheelchairs for a long time, of course they say, well, I got this after I got the HPV vaccination. You know, what are you going to think, right? This is not a scientific piece of evidence. A scientific piece of evidence is to see if Guillain-Barre syndrome could have been acquired from the vaccine and how frequently can you acquire it and whether there may be other reasons that these people acquired this very obscure neurological syndrome. So the study has been done, but that information is not easily available, right? One has to look through the scientific literature and read many, many papers. And, you know, scientific papers are not easy to read. They're, they're usually written not for lay people, they're written for other scientists and doctors, and so they're written in a lingo that is, you know, sometimes difficult to, to follow. So the good information is less available. Thank you again for joining me today and sharing your knowledge on this topic. My pleasure.